You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. Enjoy the show. Podcast. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host. Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the JRE Review. Joined as always by my co-host, sidekick, Garrett. How are you feeling this week, bud? I'm de- <laughs> Things are better, but I'm, I'm back from vacation. I'm, I'm recharged. I'm feeling like a million bucks. Sorry for all the cl- all right, sorry, sorry for all the clanks. Sorry for all the janks. Yep. We're gonna go ahead and, all right. of- and get rid of those that this week. You're very excited last week. Very excited. But you're on vacation, yeah. so you can get wild. That's what vacation's for. Just to be clear, that day I saw monkeys and I s- swam with sea turtles, so I was just revving up, but no excuses. You were revved up. Yeah, you were revved up. That's pumped. all right. Revved up in Mexico. Right. That's the way to be. Right. You got to escape during COVID. Were there any COVID restrictions down there? Um, I mean, try and have you wear masks. And I mean, it's like an indoor outdoor resort. And like Alicia went in to buy a deck of cards. And the lady was like, you need a mask. And it's like, with the amount of time you just asked me to go get a mask. We could have already done this transaction, so it's kind of just an interesting quandary <laughs> to be in at this time. I, I don't know, but yes and no, but I mean, in the outskirts and when you're doing the excursions with the locals, obviously, no, it's not a thing. They didn't care. Not, okay. not at so all. Mostly back to normal down in Mexico. Right. Good job, Mexico. Absolutely. Well done. Uh, a couple of things I want to hit on. One, um, so Russell Brand did a video recently that talked about the 270 supposed doctors that wrote the letter complaining to Spotify about Rogan mm-hmm. and his recent, um, you know, whatever, all the things he's been talking about. So they're, right. they're, they're complaining about misinformation, right? And they're saying it's dangerous. But I'm going to put a link for you guys in the bio of Russell Brand's like 10-minute long little lecture and i don't know have you seen that gary no, no? i, I want to check it out i'm definitely going to check it out does it yeah it's great so there'll be a link once this is posted and I, I really encourage you guys to check it out i think that what russell brand is doing um is fantastic and the way he described just the break he really goes into the letter who signed it and everything but it's it's gold uh, and, I, and i love that a lot nice. um just to preface that is that, all right let's is that basically saying that it was kind of or shit, more or less. I mean, if you're just paraphrasing. Well, I mean, he goes into the letter, and it turns out only like 65 of them were actually doctors that can even practice medicine. Wow. The rest are like dentists, um, vets, wow. and a bunch of people that can't even practice medicine without supervision. Right. Then there were a bunch of grad students and some biochemists, and then just some random folks. <laughs> so it's like, what are we even doing here? Just people... Ch- what, have, what have we found? 270 people that just like complaining about stuff? Chiming in. No. Well, come on. I yeah. mean... Well, that's good. That some, That's that's good, because I think Russell Brand and a lot of people like him. I mean, he's one of a, he's a one of one, but he has a lot of interesting takes, and it seems like a lot of insight on what's going on here, and with this i think he's doing some good news man right i mean he's he's almost becoming like the british joe rogan but more more of a like a news version of it almost i have a i have an interesting Uh, question for you real quick just whenever we always talk about conspiracy theorists and how it kind of comes back to that would you say that the would you say the definition of a conspiracy theorist at this point and given and i don't want to go back onto the vax topic we'll try and avoid that as much as we can but like anybody that goes against the common narrative, does that automatically qualify you as a conspiracy theorist at this point? Because it seems like if you're going against the common narrative of like what you're supposed to do and what the news is telling you what to do, and you may may not see it that way, you've just kind of been categorized as a conspiracy theorist. Would that be accurate? I mean, possibly. 
you know, or they just label you right wing for no reason. Right. Like you could be the most liberal person ever, right. but if you decide to have any other opinion than the narrative that's pushed, you get thrown into the right wing category. It can't. Be. I mean, someone said it to me the other day, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what? I'm from England, man. Yeah. Basically a socialist. Yeah. I don't mean to be anything really what, but i'm like was it just because you're I, how many how many things i i feel like there should be a checklist right and it's like w- 10 questions do you like do you want socialized health care or do you care about the environment right. or are you x y and z do you want to um have social welfare programs for poor people and it's like if you check enough of the boxes you're a thing but it doesn't matter now if if you even have one question or idea that goes against it it negates all the other things you agree with them on they're like nope you're right wing and i'm like what how i just don't even how this happened it's interesting when you start spitting like scientific facts or mentioning i don't know the whole preface of that russell brand interview or dialogue but if you if you go against the narrative it's just it's kind of just brushed aside and the facts are just not like null and void a lot of the time it's that facts and like don't matter it seems that way people just look people just have really strong opinions about what's happening regardless of what's and i get it because i i think we do in a lot of ways too right so and and that's it it's like there's two teams that have been made and that nobody's looking for common ground. It's, it's nobody, and and people feel like they don't they don't have time, right. like they can't even give it space right. because if they do, you know, and the, they lose their position and, on on whatever team they're on. I guess that's why that's why Rogan's being so polarized. Is he's the only like media medium that's allowing for both sides to kind of have a voice to talk, even though it gets misconstrued as it's completely right wing somehow i don't know yeah but i think what's happening is even though he creates a narrative like a space for both sides to tell their story the fact that he even gives space to people that disagree with what most of the media are pushing that immediately makes him target you know as they see it as like oh you're against us and this is misinformation right and it's like, shouldn't you hear both sides to any discussion? I, I, Isn't that a good way to debate anything? Yeah. I, I, but no, I guess not. Not today. You either agree or you're a, a horrible person. That seems to be the... I'm like, all right. Okay. And then Rogan's like... It's the new way of discussing things for a post-2020. Moving right into that first guy. That's funny that you say that because that guy basically... Oh, Philip Franklin Lee. Basically, he moved to Austin on a joe whim right more or less joe's like uh yeah so so what did he say he was out there they did a pop-up they did a pop-up restaurant and then joe went his wife loved it he's like why don't you stay out here if i post such and such uh, on instagram he did it the next day the guy had like twenty thousand reservations or whatever i might I, (laughs) i might be misquoting the exact numbers and where they had it but i know that was something to that effect right no, I think, you, I think you're close. He sold out for, like, many, many months. Right. I mean, how many Instagram followers did Joe have now? Uh, like, 14 million? Jesus. it's a lot of... I mean, imagine that reach. It's huge. And anything he says, too, I just saw him on Instagram today talking about that monkey feet. He, like, basically endorsed it, I think, because now you can't imagine those things will probably be sold out forever. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So the, the, that's interesting now that people are just like, can you... I guess that's been a common thing for a while now, but it's just to to have a mention on the like the biggest podcast is worth so much. Yeah. Right. Well, it's influence is huge. I mean, if he says he likes something, you can pretty much guarantee it's going to sell out. Right. That's just kind of how it goes. Right. Um, and that and that's why people advertise on a show makes, and spend a lot of money. <laughs> makes sense. I mean, I'm sure his show. I I read somewhere that it's like. There, it's like a million dollars a commercial makes sense which that's crazy and just to have an like, endorsement by him which seems to be few and far between i mean he's got on it and a few other things but 
it seems like he's just now starting to expand because he sees the benefit, I'm sure, of all the things that he just mentions on the pod. He's like, well, if I'm now that I have this, I don't know. I'm sure he has a manager in his ear, is all I'm saying. But he's he makes genuine decisions, I think, ultimately, for products that work for right. him, you know. That's why he supported this guy so heavily, because so, he really loves his food and loves his creation, obviously, right? Well, I mean, he has double Michelin stars right. for two. Like he has the. What did he have? He had a. Was it a pasta restaurant? Uh, p- and pasta a bar and sushi bar, and I think sushi ATX was what he had just recently developed, and then I think he had just recently gotten out as a co-partner or whatever for different right. for different reasons, but. Good on him. I mean, it sounds dope. I like the idea of eating at his restaurant. Yeah. And he serves the same piece yeah. to everybody there. Yeah. So it creates kind of like a a conversation. Right. You know, you can imagine everyone just nodding to each other after Ooh. like, hmm, yeah, really good. <laughs> There's like one asshole in there that's like, no, I don't yeah. care for right. it. Like, yeah, that, guy. Right, that guy sucks. Who's this guy? Right. That's what the, you... But Michelin stars are a big deal, man. Right. I mean, you your food has to be like perfect from what I understand. And that's a lot of pressure. Right. Have you ever eaten at a Michelin star spot? I think there's one actually. Never. I think there's one right by my bar right here in Venice called uh, Charcoal, but I'm not sure. Is uh, Felix? Felix is right there in Felix Venice on Abakeni. Right. That's that's Joe's right. favorite restaurant. Is that I've eaten there. Is that a Michelin star? Uh, I am. I don't know off the top of my head to be honest i'm sure it's if it wasn't it's got to be the most popular restaurant in california at this point yeah <laughs> i don't know if it is but that's that's a pretty amazing place right i've checked let me look that up real quick i've checked out their menu feel it fast michelin there we go let's see if it is hold on this is why we need a jamie right. with with two broke right. to get a jamie all right we'll get one. all right what does it say Michelin Guide, it's on there. Venice, blah, 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 something delicious. Oh, it doesn't say. I, you know, and I never, I until he was talking about where Michelin came from, I never put it together that it was from the car yeah, place. I didn't even think of that. For the tires. <laughs> so he's like, they made, they had this book, Michelin, you know, the car right. tire company. And then it was like, drive around and try restaurants out. And now it's... I, that's so strange. It makes so much it, sense. Like, though. worked. Yeah, uh, it's cool. Though. Where do you, I don't I don't mind that. Where like they made a little book of where you could go to use your tires was basically the idea, right? And then some places were worth a stop, and some places were worth a long drive. I think was the idea, and then however that was based on how far you drive was how they would give the Michelin star. I think. Does some was that sound accurate? Yeah. I guess so. All right, so I'm reading this here. Um, this guy says, I've been to a four Michelin star restaurants. Wow. Like, I didn't even know there was such thing as a four. That doesn't seem right. Right. And I know Michelin, da, da, da. I can say he, okay. So it's not a Michelin star restaurant, supposedly, but this reviewer that's been to a bunch of Michelin star restaurants said that it's good enough. Right on. Well, I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> No, I guess I have not been to a Michelin star restaurant. I would like to. But honestly, though, dude, to be honest, often when you see that type of food that they serve at these super fancy restaurants, it's like these little dollops of stuff. You need like 50 I don't know if I'm that into it. I'm into it. I just need like four or five courses at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we go eat a steak first, and then we go and just eat fancy little plates well, but i do i do i mean the food i'm sure is amazing I love, it would be a real treat that's to eat that. that's a real delicacy and a real art form to be able to make like a 15 i don't know how many course meal but whenever he's talking about a tasting menu that's the idea that you don't just get full off one pasta dish you get to try a multitude of things and the amount of effort that goes into each one of those things is substantial you know oh yeah it's it's pretty dope. I mean, even his journey to get there. What was he selling mortgages? Professional poker player, right. and then works in his what aunt's kitchen. Yeah, and, no, he said he was in a rock band too for a while, didn't he? Oh yeah, right. right. I mean, but there's something about that, right? Like, look at that journey. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's i mean i guess you could take the mortgage bit out of there but i mean i'm sure he made good money doing that but really it's it's someone that's truly exploring his in a sense like very creative side and energy i mean huge investment into that sort of thing so um it's pretty amazing that by following that path and not settling for like a cubicle job He's come to this point he, where he has these amazing restaurants. It's funny, too, that he mentioned throughout that process, even when he was three years old, his dad gifted him a chef's knife for his birthday. So it was kind of destiny. <laughs> right. Kind of destiny. That it sounds a little <laughs> dangerous for a three-year-old, I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he said, talking about being born to do something, he seems so passionate about each one of his dishes and how he talks about food, too. It's it's kind of refreshing hearing really cultured chefs and really cultured guys that are good at their craft talk about it because they have a different energy to it you know yeah definitely and and also once again and and you know we're beating a dead horse here but listening to what he was up against during covid Mm -hmm. the restrictions how they were closing the restaurants how he would adjust and they still would shut him down i mean no wonder he went to austin and now he's found a home there it's like well it's kind of heartbreaking in a way because LA, you know, always did have amazing restaurants mm. there. And, you know, uh, many of these people have moved to different states now and they won't be going back. It's And I don't think that the people that were running California really took that into consideration. No, no. Because there's some, some great food, great people that have left there because right. of what went on over there and it's undeniable it's true i will say i will say it was 75 here today and if you go down the boardwalk on a sunday afternoon still you wouldn't know that anything has ever happened in california there's still five million people on the boardwalk so that's a, yeah no doubt that's kind of refreshing in some respect but it also it is interesting seeing things boarded up and whatnot but i think we're gonna have a great summer and we're gonna bounce back Oh. that said that's some positive stuff i think dude. i, th- I, like I think, I think you're right though like what would entice people that have moved out of the state realize that they're probably paying way less taxes in texas there's way less like headaches i'm sh- sure as far as getting permits and all the other bullshit that goes along with it why would they ever have any incentive to want to come back that doesn't really make sense well you know my worry would just be that could you afford to close down again no and what what are you gonna what are you gonna have the government or of the state give you something in writing saying they won't close you down? Well, that's th- it's like how could you ever trust them again? That's the thing too, man. I don't. I think that a lot of the air of that's been put into the government is kind of getting taken out of the power because it was supposed to be on the seventeenth of this month. Everybody was supposed to be wearing N ninety five masks that were in the service industry. We've been out to eat a handful of times since then, and I bartended two restaurants, and I have not seen one employee wearing a 95 mask. I'm, I'm saying that. Is that right? I'm saying that with all due respect. I love the fact that that's not going on. I couldn't imagine. Like, how would you even have a conversation with a waiter or waitress bartender to wear an N95 mask? It's a hard enough thing to try and have a conversation with a freaking mask on as it is to wear a surgical mask and try and, like, have a, a back and forth it's just impossible i don't know yeah if they, i guess if there's not music being played maybe but if it's loud at all in the bar that's a nightmare Game. it's so difficult Game. to hear when it, through certain masks right. when there's a lot of noise right. so um yeah it creates a big problem i think that's why they had those shields <laughs> for a while and that that shield stuff was just nonsense when i saw that i'm like what are we welders What's going on here? There's can't be any. Oh, this is a this is a spit. This yeah. isn't rabies. It's gonna float around in the air. What are you doing? It was, uh, that was a interesting time. The shields time, I will say. I haven't seen too many of those. Yeah, the shield. Seen too many of those. The shield. Time. I never wore one. I, I never I, once wore a shield ever I, for any reason. I had one 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 uh, one shift where one of my managers tried to have me do it, and I just wore a frontwards hat and wore it on top, and I was like, that should keep me safe. Close enough. Yeah, that was in an outside bar, right, too, obviously, which I love. That's what he was talking about too. He's like, that. whenever we, subs- we we he's like, we survived and we build the sushi bar outside there in Santa Monica. I think he says where it was, 
And he's like, we were flourishing. We were making it happen even under those restrictions. And then he's like, when they pulled that apart, they virtually made it impossible for anybody to succeed. I mean, they dug everybody deep in the hole. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we know all about this right. far too well. And it's, yeah, it's still heartbreaking. Right. It, it just really is. And we know people that have really suffered from it mm-hmm. and lost a lot, if not everything. Right. You saw that you know, when they've worked hard. Not that Islands is a great spot, but you saw that Islands that was right across the street from my house that had been there for, I mean, it was like a staple for 50 years or something. They couldn't afford to pay their lease just recently within the past three, four months. That's brutal. But whatever. That's a. Cor- I mean that that, yeah, that I mean, shows. These, these are the things that that shows you what it does. Sorry to interrupt. I mean, if a corporate business can't afford the rent, that's saying something. That's not a little mom and pop shop. That's a Chili's, an Islands, a TGI Fridays. That's saying we got to shut our doors. We can't afford the rent because we're not. You know. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. And when it's been in Venice that long right. too, I mean, it's the reasons that people love to go to Venice. Right. It's it's like they forgot that oh people would just go there anyway they're like hey the beach is good right. but it's part of all these other reasons right. that that white people go there. Right. Lastly, could you believe that a fish that they buy for sushi costs three quarters of a million? Seven hundred thirty-six G's. Yeah, I mean, what are you selling a plate at with that? That's how much is each piece? <laughs> like a hundred dollars. I, I want to see what size piece is that a sliver? Because he was talking about how much you can get out of a tuna, and he was talking about the portion sizes and whatnot, and how it breaks down. You must be making. I mean, if you're buying it for three hundred bucks a pop, you're probably selling it for three thousand. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess there's only a tiny piece right, of fish in a, a sushi boat, right? I don't know. But still, That's, my God, like a million dollars for a fish? Sure, no sure. wonder we're overfishing the oceans. <laughs> Maybe I should become a fisherman. That's a good idea. I will say that what he was talking about, wow. too, the inventory situation, I found that interesting because in order to inventory a restaurant, I always found that to be something that could be difficult because you don't know what to order. As far, I mean, you can go on past experience, but you got to get that past experience in the first place, especially when you're opening a new restaurant. So in order to order enough, oh, no doubt. but he was talking about having that tasting kitchen and the tasting menu. So he only had certain portions that you just bring out the next item. So you would already know how much portion control to have, but it seems like that would be a big issue in a lot of places, you know? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I would like to try his place though. It sounds def. Well, it sounds like we'd never get in yeah, there either. At this point. We probably have to, have, we, we make reservations for 2023. We'll get him on the pod, see what we can do. <laughs> that's it that's it all right let's jump over to uh ben patrick the knees over toes guy this guy might, might be one of my new heroes yeah i was curious to see what you thought about him i followed his instagram for a while yeah. um i can't remember where i first heard of it probably rogan yeah. um and yeah those exercises seem really interesting Man, he ch- so it seems like a lot of it is pulling things and walking backwards and pushing the sled and that somehow strengthens your legs well you've heard you've heard about that like rucking situation if you just put something heavy on your back and walk around they, they've made a lot of mention about how dramatic that can be and i'd say that one of the main things that we miss from the traditional gym over at golds is having that sled and he's religious about that sled talking that he's like no matter what seven days a week we're doing the sled forward backwards the whole nine and just putting stress on the back back end i always push it so i need to i think pulling it and he always talks about your tibs the front of your legs like your shins that how vital of a muscle that is and how much we neglect it i think it's got to be something i'm going to start focusing on for sure because that's pretty i mean the fact that he can dunk a basketball that's always been a lifelong dream of mine and he's doing it's insane he got a d1 scholarship at 23 i don't know if you know what that means yeah those videos of him dunking were pretty <laughs> absurd phenomenal absurdity out of nowhere just boom yeah like one step dunk and he's no problem he was talking about how freak athletes jump on certain machines that he's been working on for years to get up to a certain spot and pro athletes will start where he has been working on but now that he can like hang with them and he's i mean he's 30 years old and he's like i can still hang with dbs and corners in the nfl that's why pro athletes are reaching out to him all the time i mean he's goggins on he's on a goggins level for sure 
D- yeah. Different angle, but yeah. same level for sure. But he, it, it's kind of interesting that there was so much pushback. Yeah, I don't for him like definitely from his coaches and the literature. I would have felt like you know you gotta you gotta think like scientists come up with new theories that go against what's accepted, and then it's hard for them to get their new theory in. And you know there, there's a lot of that in any type of industry and and thing like the new guy with a new idea, they don't always like it. But I would imagine as a coach, you're gonna take really almost whatever your super athletes come in with and be like, yeah, let's integrate this. Let's at least explore let's it. Let's try it. Because it might be useful. I mean, what if we did that in all facets of life, huh? I mean, but yeah, it's kind of that we have this old school mentality in so many industries that it just really hinders the growth, clearly. I mean, you can see that evident in a variety of, of companies and whatnot. You'll find one new angle and make a ton more revenue. It's so why would you not want your athletes to explore all options to, I mean, people thought yoga was the dumbest thing forever, right? That was just a hippie thing. And now people appreciate yoga. And it's just, it takes like a certain somebody to say that it's cool or something. But my brother and I have been training differently than a lot of people too. Like with the, when he talks about the hip stuff, like a lot of the inner working muscles that you don't focus on and a lot of flexibility has a lot of impact on like your output i think yeah i mean hicks and gracie um was a big yoga guy and took it very seriously and now there's no taboo in the jujitsu community and these are really tough guys and when people talk about oh i do no one goes oh you do yoga i really appreciate it's like everyone wants to be doing it if they do jujitsu, sure. if they could find time, right. because they know the benefits. Right. He was the best ever. Well, that, I, th- I don't know. I thought about that whole rice thing too, rest or whatever it is, rest, ice, elevate or compression, elevate was the old school always. If you got it, if you got hurt, but I've always had the mentality, even like he said, like motion within that stuff, because when you let it just sit, it just swells up. And it just gets worse. It seems like you need to be putting consistent motion and consistent blood flow on those spots. That makes that yeah, makes so much more sense. Yeah, I was always confused with the ice thing. With maybe because right, okay, so you cut yourself, right, or you or you bang your knee, your knee swells up, the cut swells up, and it all goes red. Mm-hmm. Well, it does that because the blood is going there right. to kind of fix the area. So then you're gonna ice it and remove all the blood. I never understood why that worked, but I just assumed it did because people told me that it was a good thing to do. I almost feel like isn't isn't heat better? Isn't maybe sauna with a bad well, knee better? I, like I would say that heat sometimes makes the I think it almost makes it expand some because when my I've had some swollen things and I've tried to go in the hot tub, I've noticed that it expands. I think cold is good for any kind of inflammation i don't know about i don't know about ice i just don't know but there's got to be a happy medium somewhere i imagine with yeah but i do like the idea of keeping it moving you know even if it's really injured um you know i kind of tweaked my knee a little bit snowboarding yesterday i went for the first time so of course you know i was terrible and you're gonna hurt yourself and but it wasn't bad it wasn't like bad injuries And when I hit the gym this morning, I was like, well, I don't want to really run. I feel like, I don't know if my knee, you know, when your knees feel a bit unstable, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. But I just got on the bike, low impact, kept it moving. I was like, it's probably best I move it yeah, rather than I, just do nothing. I would think so. I think stagnant, I think that's totally true. I don't. I think that you got to get blood flow throughout those areas. That's got to be what it I've is, been, right? I, it, get that blood flow even watching i was catching up on a lot of his instagram videos and looking at some of his posts and just i was even down at the courts today just trying some knee stuff and some flexibility stuff it's definitely going to be some things i'll incorporate for sure just his outlook on life his his outlook on life too man the way he was talking about just wanting to help people and his sincerity that came through was so genuine uh, that i i don't think it took joe off guard but it was just kind of I don't know, not sentimental, but the way that he was talking was just 
I could really appreciate it. It was somebody that you would want your kid to like look up to as far as a coach goes, I think, you know? Yeah. I mean, his integrity with it too. Like even saying, Oh, I don't do massages and I don't do the cold plunge or the sauna because I want to make sure my exercises alone are the right way. I mean, that that's kind of like a scientific process in a sense. Right. I mean, he's removing variables that help him and he doesn't even take supplements. He doesn't take vitamins too. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, he is dedicated to this work and it sounds like he's getting great results. I mean, absolutely. You know, I don't think this is a fad. I think that what he's doing is very beneficial training. Without a doubt. And the fact that it's getting people that have been told that they're never you know, run again or they'll never be able to exercise in these certain ways because of these injuries, like moving right. is beautiful. How, That's such a great thing that he's able to do right. that. How inspiring is that, that he did that with the two hurt knees? That's what made him go out and discover something that would make it a potential for him to play basketball because that was his lifelong dream, you know? For sure. And then Joe had a great message at the end where he kind of backed him up. And he's like, it's not always about following money. Right. You know, the investment is doing what you want to do and keeping that integrity mm-hmm. in in how you do it. I'm, and I'm sure that's something, in a sense, he thinks about a lot with the podcast, with other things. Right. Um, I'm sure if if he had a producer... If Joe did, they tell him, hey, maybe don't mention this. It's controversial. Don't have this guest. Then you'll have bigger ad revenue. He's like, fuck you. You know, Joe doesn't do that. And so integrity is something that really resonates um, with him, with with uh, Ben that came on. And it, it's kind of a reminder, too. It's hard to do it. Yeah, It's hard it w- because people will push back against you. You may, in the short term, lose some opportunities because of it. But I think overall, in the long term, you're going to sleep better. You're going to give a better message. And more importantly, people will trust you. They will trust what you say. It was so refreshing. Yeah, I mean, so refreshing for him to say that he wasn't on social media for so long. And then just a couple of his buddies knew how important his stuff was that he was doing. And they were like, you should probably get on social media. And Joe's like, why weren't you on social media? And he was... He goes, I think you could probably come up with a thousand reasons why not to be on social media. And they both kind of had a chuckle <laughs> chuckle about it, which, may, I mean, it kind of makes you reflect on it. As, as, you kind of envy those people sometimes that are separated from it completely. And, I mean, you're pretty good at that. I give a lot of credit to Alicia about that. But some of us are just, I mean, I don't even know if I'm in that category where I'm completely addicted. But it feels that way sometimes, you know, it's... There's a lot. A lot. You know, with me though, it's it's mostly that I'm lazy, right? And my intention span, for (laughs) some reason, is not drawn to it. So, when anyone's ever given me credit for mostly staying off it and not really caring about it at all, it's just because it just it doesn't have, I think, the same dopamine rush for me that other people get. If it did, I'd be glued to it too. So there's nothing special I'm doing. I I just. It doesn't work. It's good to like be conscious of that because you could see how different social media affects different personality types. I mean, it's pretty blatant in some regard, but it's interesting that you could say that because I think that there's a lot of correlation that goes with that. But anyhow. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many friends I've had that just out of nowhere were like, oh, I'm getting off social media for a while. They even like post that message, mm-hmm. which I think is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing. I'm like, what are you making a statement? Do you want us to write yeah. you and say we're going to miss Please you? Please come back. What are you doing? Please come back. And then they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm back on it again. I'm back Thank on God. it. Thank God. I'm like, what are you doing? I was holding my breath this whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it just kind of does. It like explains a lot more of a story there. It's not just that they're in and out. It's like, yeah, it it was weighing on them. Right. It was stressing them because it has that responsive message, I guess. If you put too much weight on how people respond to you on there, it becomes a whole thing. And I'm like, look, I got enough things to stress out about in life. I don't need to add. What a weird thing is another... what, as humans, we worry so much about what other people think about us when in reality... 99.9% of the time nobody's thinking about any other shit except what's going on in their own life and how they're you know what I mean 
Yeah, it's it's like high school forever. Yeah, it really we worry so much about what people, people think, don't. and then by the time we're out of high school, we realize, oh, nobody even but noticed you, that was. You there. can build a whole story up in your head with a fucking Instagram like comment about where somebody was coming from, and they could have just been sitting on the toilet, just firing away whatever the hell came to their mind, and that could dictate the rest of your day. You know, it's, no doubt. It's interesting. Yeah. Absolutely, no doubt, for sure. Whenever for sure. I wanted to pay note to this, when I thought about his Goggins moment, was basically him saying the no social media thing, but then also about not having any entertainment for a year. When he said no Netflix, no sports, no any outside entertainment whatsoever, I was like, "That's a fucking Goggins on Goggins right there." To some extent, I know it's only entertainment, and I know it's only TV, and you can say that, but that's become someone become someone natural thing that we all just fall back on and for him to take that time out to say i'm not doing that i'm just gonna go walk my kid or i'm gonna go do a hobby and not have any of this outside stuff that's gonna make your day so much longer you know well he's definitely a very disciplined guy even saying that what he didn't have a cheat meal no. at all for yeah. a year or something not, i mean i respect it i'm like wait not even one i was that's the only thing that i come back to on his whole on his whole persona he, like, like sneaks he sneaks a dorito <laughs> when nobody's i'm just like just I, one dorito i'm eating food today thinking about him and i'm like i can get on board with every single thing you said but i like to enjoy as well and that's when joe was like that's kind of masochistic it's like I like that part of it, but I also like the reward of, of like, food. Because food, good food is, I'm a, I like good food. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I ate a giant pizza today, so I'm with right. you on that. Right. Now, it did slow me down. For, like, really slowed me down for a few hours, but eh, it's worth it. It's worth it's it. All right, on the same kick of social media and the scary parts of it, let's jump over to Dr. Robert epstein and let's freak ourselves out for a minute google runs the world dude i tell you what i unplugged my alexa when i heard this podcast yeah Uh, i mostly only use alexa to like play rain sounds when i'm sleeping (laughs) i don't know what maybe that's a british thing i just miss the rain meanwhile but that's pretty much all i use it for and i went Oh, that's it. I'm unplugging it. This guy is freaking me out. Meanwhile, they're just sucking up all your data. When he was talking about all those free apps that he kind of put in quotations, and he's like, those free apps just mean that they're taking your freedom from you, and they can skew elections, and they can skew your every advertisement that comes your way. They can basically skew your mental makeup and how you think about things. It was really friggin' overwhelming the way he described it yeah well while simultaneously putting a profile together of like who you are right what you're gonna do what you want to buy how you think where you're going when he said there were like what did he say like three million pages of data on each person if you've used the internet for like more than 10 years (sighs) it's like what and you think you i can't imagine how stupid my three million pages. Oh my goodness! The dumb shit that I Google. The, the Google, and it's all there. I was gonna. It yeah, se- Google definitely thinks I'm an idiot. Well, it's, for sure. it seems like every single thing is um, recorded at this point. You know, every single thing he said. Yeah, no doubt. You can go back, and he said that things have been brought up. That basically, I think Alexa. It, I could be chopping this up, but somehow they brought in data for some case on something that was heard on one of these kind of devices, right? Basically, you're walking around. Oh, yeah, in the cold Right, you're walking around with a microphone in your pocket the whole time at any given time. If they want to call you up on something like, oh, yeah, remember when you were hammered on a Thursday and you said you didn't like fucking Donald Trump or something? Who knows what they could use to throw at you, you know? No doubt. Well, I guess with us, all anyone needs to do is listen to the hundreds of hours of nonsense that we've spoken on this podcast. We make it pretty easy, but... (laughs) <laughs> yeah we make it real easy for them to cancel we don't us. want we don't want it's like what did you say we don't want to cut any corners with just making it easy here but for everybody else it yeah it is it is scary stuff though for sure i mean well joe joe uh, kept yeah joe, i don't know what the thing joe kept asking questions to like talk whenever they were talking about how that one hacker basically churned off the internet for x amount of time for four hours or something 
And he's like, so there's a switch to the internet. And he's and the and then Robert kind of comes back at him and he's like, kind of indirectly answered the question, but he said everything substantial or subsequently comes back to Google no matter what is basically what I gathered. Is that what you gathered? Yeah, that sounds like um, a, an unbelievable amount of power in the hands of Google. Wow. And when he said, I figured it out, that the reason they did it on a Saturday morning is because the markets right, were closed. Some... And, the, and the markets would have been the one thing that would have pushed back yeah. because they would have noticed it. Right. I mean, sneaky stuff. I mean, almost like a test just to see, what? hey, do we have like the power of god well he tried to because if you control the internet like that that is about the most power you can have what well, at this point he made rep he made reference to orwell too and he said about information being god and i didn't really take that in until he said it but whatever you t whatever information you're just like dispersing amongst communities and whatnot is god case in point what's going on right now right yeah Mm. And I mean, he, Google yeah, is God. But, but oh more, more or less, it seems to be the the narrative. And it's he was like, if Zuckerberg would have went in there and said, "Go, go vote." Remember when they were talking about that part about go vote and how it could have right. skewed all the people on the right or the left, which it probably did skew a lot of people on the right because it, it seems that a lot of these tech companies that we've spoke on are obviously a lot more progressive. And I'll put that in quotations nowadays because it seems like a lot of those people that are quote-unquote progressive just pick and choose the topics they want to be progressive on and like leave dead people on the side of the road just because it doesn't fit their story yeah that was wild like what did he say he could have changed maybe four hundred thousand votes oh in what was it georgia yeah and he was talking about I how mean, you can just skew public opinion with just a, a couple of clicks, you know, he's like, it doesn't take now. Much. Now, here's something that's interesting. So, so Zuckerberg is going on Lex Friedman's show. I, I saw that Zuckerberg doesn't do many of these. And, and recently Lex was given a bit of a hard time about not asking tough questions. And even Rogan brought it up. He's like, well, it's not really Lex's style. Right. He just interviews, but he doesn't really push him. It's going to be really interesting to see if Lex asks him that question about the georgia issue now maybe that's too heavy you know why didn't you put the ads out or could you have done it or is that a thing you do i don't know if lex is going to push there but i would love for him to ask that question well i don't know if you saw the i mean it's out there he knows of it i don't know it's it's on the table if you saw... so we'll see if... you know he listens to rogan if you saw the text that uh Friedman just put up recently. He said, "I'm. I think you probably read the same thing I did. I'm gonna have Mark Zuckerberg on next week. Please email me any of your questions or concerns that you'd like me to discuss with him. I bet he's getting fucking bombarded right now with just DMs out the wazoo about questions people have. Ooh, that is but, good. Maybe we should do but it. Was, <laughs> should we write? Yeah, him? let's write him. See, I'm we ask that question. I'll do it later. That's a good idea because I, I'm sure we're not the first people thinking of that. But as, I mean, it's a great idea. Because and if you really want to tackle the hard questions, I, I just is power. It seems is power the main thing that all these guys are after. Because I, I mean. How many billions do you want at one point in time? Is it? Do you, are you addicted to that, or you just think that your virtues and your mindset are that much better than everybody else's? That you should have that much more of an impact on everybody's life, or is it just? See, I think I think money really is just another word for power. It just happens to indirectly represent it, but I think really what everyone is always chasing is power rather than money, because in a sense, money gives you that. It gives you some control. It gives you freedom. It gives you. It allows you to do more of the things that you would want to do, because you have money. Right. So really, it's it's not the money. That's just the thing that gets you what you want. What you want is the power, right? I guess. I guess you can look at that in like hierarchical, like I don't know, an ant colony. Ants don't give a fuck about money, but they probably want power, right? I don't know. Well, they want to they want to control their environment. Right. <laughs> they don't want to get invaded. They don't want to get wiped out, and they want lots of resources. Right. So, in a sense, yeah. I mean, well, think about it. If you had tons of money, which everyone kind of wants, and that would be great, w how could you use it without um, uh, 
leveraging power. I mean, hopefully in a perfect world, philanthropy, right? You get all the gold and get disperse it amongst the people and make everybody good. Yeah, but you know you're still gonna buy a dope house and a bunch of you knowing you like fourteen thousand skateboards or whatever you want. Well, you you asked me you how to how to solve it. I'm trying to provide you like solutions here. (laughs) I get it, but I get it. I don't know know, the way he was describing it too. That one story that was this was a tough one, and it was a tough moment in that when he was talking about conspiracy and how he gave that one speech at, at some college or something and somebody approached him and said, Hey, Mr. Epstein, I think you're going to die within a month or something like that. And then his, and then Oh his, yeah. He said that was a, I think a district. Attorney. Oh yeah. Something, some politician or something, maybe a district attorney. And then he said, and then he's like, has that little quiet moment. And then a couple of minutes go by and he's like, but my wife did. And it was like, well, that was just a silent moment that you had to take a step back where it was, are all these conspiracies or is, is there some relativity to some of this stuff? It seems like even if half the shit's true, that's the scary part. Cause not to bring up like Alex Jones or any of these like quote unquote conspiracy theories, but you spit out so much shit. Even if half that shit comes to fruition, that's still a fucking crazy spot to live in. You know what I mean? It was one of the most intense, tense little moments on the pod ever i don't think joe knew what to say i don't think he knew either like that that yeah i mean what could you say heavy that's heavy heavy stuff so you think about the impact the impact that he has just by speaking out on this is pretty courageous i wonder what kind of blowback he gets or if he's just like just the snowden of this subject then i don't know I don't know how that works. People got to fuck. Well, I think it's a smart move to get the word out there. This is kind of what Snowden did, right? He knew that he was going to be in trouble. So by laying it all on the line, he almost could protect himself, though he did have to move to Russia. So it wasn't great. (laughs) But maybe this guy, you know, maybe other agencies will start looking into this stuff. And he won't be the only one. And the pressure won't be on him. It sounds like there should be these sorts of checks and balances. I mean, what he's doing with those kind of agents all over the country yeah and then they monitor their data and see how those result results come back right. i think that's a great idea especially if no one is keeping an eye on this oh, 100 percent. it's it's creepy stuff the fact that no fa- doubt it's creepy the fact that there is no checks and balances there's seems like there's a reason for that you know i think that other than him nobody's thought that these companies are even doing right well it's so yeah i I don't know how to put it into words it's so skewed the way that they can manipulate information in in a way that they want to so easily just by wording and who they get it out to and the vast audience that they can either monetize and shut down or like pump up and make more of a i don't want to say impact but more like a social media splash you know they have the they have the ability to do that it seems like yeah no doubt i mean one thing he said 70 percent of the videos that people watch on youtube are from that next up algorithm right. which i guess we all assume is is like related to the thing that we've looked at or other things that we've looked at right. but if you think about it they only have to get remotely close so right. even if you're watching let's say you're just watching food videos right. right hypothetically right you're just watching food be made and you're really into right. it then all of a sudden the next up next is some chef that talks while he's making the food but he has a bit of a spin mm. on a certain subject right. and he throws that down right. and then you're like that's kind of interesting and then the next video up is actually more to do with the subject he was discussing than the food that's the cons- dude real quickly <laughs> you'll go down a rabbit hole and then you're like maybe the earth is flat. this is the blue collar chef oh that's the conservative chef Ooh, that's the uh <laughs> that's the QAnon chef oh the earth is flat chef wouldn't take long right. <laughs> wouldn't take long huh I could see that. I mean, it wouldn't to like a young person, right? right. You could who's really. Well, you could see how that can get out of hand. Kind of. Yeah, that that that's a real problem. Right. So look, I hope this guy comes on again. I would love an update from him a year from For now. Sure. And on top of that, I hope that 
he not only gets more research funding, but other people start doing this I too, mean, just to keep an eye on these. Because there's there's no oversight. There's no government oversight for these big tech companies. And there kind of needs to be, especially because today they're in control of basically cancel culture. Mm-hmm. They can turn off people's Instagram, Twitter. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> did you? That's a lot did you, of power. I don't like it. Just a little tidbit. I know we're finishing up here, but did you see that Neil Young said that he was going to pull himself off Spotify if they didn't pull Rogan or something to that effect? Oh, yeah. He gave an ultimatum. And I'm just thinking to myself, Spotify yeah. is like, bye. Like, there's, there's a no-brainer. Sorry, bud. Bye. Well, let's look up Neil Young real quick, and let's see how many streams he gets. Right. Per month on uh, Spotify, on Spotify, because it will show. Okay, so he gets six million month, six million monthly listens. Nice. Right. Uh-huh. What do you think Rogan at least five to gets per month? At least five, five on... or six thousand. I imagine. Dude, Rogan's getting. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Rogan's getting probably twenty million. What five to ten million an episode? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So many episodes. Oh, maybe less because it's exclusively Spotify now. But let's say it's close to that. Let's say it's less. Let's say it's like five million. Yeah, but he's doing four episodes well, a week. Yeah. And that's 16 episodes. In a, I mean, the numbers are astronomical. I said that to my buddy. I was like, Neil Young has some bad advisors because if you're going to pull yourself off six million, whatever, and making that money just to prove your point, your advisors are some knuckleheads. Because you might as well just take the money and move along. But this is not a place to make your... It just... It's almost like, honestly, it's just a thing to say to get you in the uh, press. Uh, that's a... It's probably a way for him just to... Maybe his publicist was like, look, Neil Young, nobody's talking about you anymore. Why don't you just wow. say something like that's... this and then and then get some that's articles That's so written. smart. You don't even think that angle, but that's so smart. I wouldn't... you got to be a press guy to think that far in advance that's good that's well thought out <laughs> no doubt you never know you never, you never know never do anyway um some exciting news for next week garrett is gonna have his podcast studio set up which is pretty good and uh that should take care of some audio issues that we occasionally have um uh so that's great and you know with a lot of this and kind of COVID feeling like it's coming to the end, I mean, I, I don't know about you, man, but I'm feeling a bit more optimistic about everything. I'm ready for I feel like it's cleaning up. We're back to getting back to some real normal life. And I'm pretty sure that if something big like the craziness of the last few years happens again, we're going to deal with it in a much more sensible way. Because they're going to have no choice because people are going to push back. Agreed. I, and I like I it. I love it. Want more of it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, check out the links in the bio um, for the sponsors. And also, check out that Russell Brown video. I think it's really worth it. Um, Any feedback on that, I'd love to hear it. Get your thoughts on it. And uh, that's all. We'll talk to you next week. Peace and love, fam.